0: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast.
1: Hello there and welcome to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. It is a Friday morning. We've been broadcasting live from Air Arabia headquarters in Sharjah to celebrate their 20th anniversary. Let's look at some of the top stories we're covering today, including interest rates. I'm going to hear from Christine Lagarde of the European Central Bank and blockbuster GDP numbers from America Randy's been speaking to one professor at a business school in Seattle. What else can I tell you? Well, of course, being down here at Air Arabia Headquarters, we're going to hear from the boss, Adel Ali. He's been the boss for all of those 20 years. That interview in full coming up. Tom's been talking tech with Mohammed Majid from KPMG, and I've been talking about real estate here in Sharjah with Mohammed Qasim Ilak from Better Homes. All that to come on the Bite-sized business breakfast.
2: I'm happy because I've got coffee. Rich is happy because Christine Lagarde has finally been taking his advice.
1: Oh, exactly. Yes. So this is the president of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde. And uh, she yesterday announced that for the first time in more than a year, the European Central Bank is going to keep interest rates or did keep interest rates on hold. And regular listeners will know that I have been calling on Western central banks to follow their Asian car- uh, counterparts and keep interest rates on hold for some time now, others disagree. But anyway, yesterday, ECB did keep rates on hold. This is Christine Lagarde speaking afterwards.
3: Our mission is price stability. We have defined it in our strategy review as 2%. We are not at 2%. The best tools that we can use to return inflation to 2% are our interest rates. And this is what we are using. And I just want to mention that the fact that we are holding doesn't mean to say that we will never hike again.
1: Christine Lagarde.
2: And we have not just been hearing from her, we've also been taking uh, the economists' view on what that decision means for the European economy. This is Khatija Hack from Emirates MBD. The ECB left its main refinancing rate unchanged yesterday, as expected, at 4.5%. President Christine Lagarde said that any discussion about rate cuts was totally premature and that a pause this month did not mean that they would not hike again if needed. The market is pricing the first rate cuts from the ECB only in June 2024. Economic conditions in the eurozone remain quite weak, with Germany probably already in recession. But the ECB will be wary of rushing to ease monetary policy to support growth when inflation is still well above their target.
1: Could teach a hack there. You said the economist perspective, which is important, because when you mentioned that, I was thinking, the head of the ECB and the head of the Fed are not economists. They're both lawyers. Christine Lagarde was a lawyer in the private sector for many years, partner at a big American law firm, and Jay Powell was also a lawyer. Before that, we had Janet Yellen, academic economist, Mm -hmm. PhD economics, blah, 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 all of that. Now... Lawyers are taking over.
2: <laughs> well, we've got one more economist for you this morning, uh, and he is an academic as well. Vladimir Desh Um is from the University of Seattle. He's in the Department of Economics, uh, the Albers School of Business and Economics there. And he spoke to us this morning about our other big macro story, and that is GDP growth in the US coming in at nearly 5% for Q3. Why is that important? Uh, Because it's a lot higher than expected and it comes before a Fed meeting next week to have a look at interest rates. We asked Vlad how US GDP is continuing to rise.
4: Yes, this was really a very pleasant surprise in the sense that in the previous months and quarters, when the interest rates were lower, uh, United States experienced actually lower rates of growth. And now, all of a sudden, that the interest rate is at a peak, if we're looking at the last 15, 20 years, then it turns out that American economy is doing better than ever. And if we look at the anatomy of what has, happening to the, has been happening to the components of GDP, then the first thing that draws our attention is investment. The most surprising factor there is the increase in housing investment and probably almost of the same magnitude of surprise, an increase of inventory investment. So with uh, the housing, initially, when you see those data, it's a little bit of a shock because, well, uh, that's the sector that's so sensitive to the interest rates. And once they were increased, we saw the quarter data with a positive growth. But if you think a little bit more, then the quarter included the data both before the most recent increase of the federal funds rate and after And uh, you could argue that it's the expectation-driven demand. Those people who were about to get a mortgage and had to rush because they understood that the rates are going up, they actually drove the demand up in this specific quarter. This is not something what we can expect continuing in the long term. Uh, That's my interpretation of the story. And as for the inventory investment, the news is really good because, well, that's the indicator that American retailers are preparing for the holiday season. They have very high expectations and hopes for very successful sales during Christmas and Thanksgiving.
2: I'm Vladimir Dash Kiev, speaking to us this morning from Seattle University.
0: This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Exclusively on Dubaii1038.com.
2: Right, it is 20 years since Air Arabia took off. And to mark the occasion, we're not just here in the HQ in Sharjah, but our producer, Mohamed Salman, has been speaking to Adil Al-Ali, who is the group CEO of Air Arabia and has been, in fact, since it started. Uh, Air Arabia and uh, is synonymous with Sharjah. Mohammed sat down with Edel to speak to him about everything from where they have been to where they are going.
3: Air Arabia celebrates 20 years uh, this week. Um, you've been there since day one. Talk me through this journey of two decades. You've been there from the start. Talk me through the highs, the lows, the challenges. There was a pandemic in between as well. Uh, put it into words what these last 20 years have been like for, for you.
5: Yeah, it's, it's gone fast and I'm uh, it hard but good. So, so the hard bit is putting an airline together is, is never an easy task to do. Uh, the need of the type of an airline we put together was very rewarding that everybody wanted it. Hence from day two we had queues of people wanting to fly. Uh, but with this industry you get involved in everything. So we had Wars we had uh, weather issues, we had political issues, economical issues, and then what you just mentioned pandemic, which was probably the lowest point that it could get when I saw the hard work of everybody for it was a, a good sixteen, seventeen years all of a sudden comes to a halt, but then there was a sort of uh, We saw that this will always come back and life will go back to normality, and it has happened. Uh, Difficult to describe 20 years in in sort of few seconds, but it has been rewarding. I think both from the community connections that we have created uh, over the years, um, the people's life that has become so, so much easier once we started, Probably the, the transformation of air travel in the region has has been rewarding and the growth of the company, of course, and the financial success that we have achieved. So all in all, I, I think very pleased, very happy, uh, hard work, but a lot of learning and, and lot lot lots of happiness within the organization.
3: Let's talk about this year, 2023, <clears throat> you guys had a record-breaking profit in Q2. What has this year been like from a business perspective from, for, for Arabia in the context of the last two decades?
5: I think there was the pessimist in the world of saying the aviation business will take a long time to come back. I was one of those who uh, always thought that aviation and the travel is, is such a need in everybody's life today, particularly in a country like here where people want to travel and a lot of business happens and, and so on. I always felt that as soon as people were able to fly, they'll come back. And that's exactly what happened. So we had a very good progressive growth since the pandemic slowed down and and country opened up. Uh, 2023 particularly, again, the pent up demand, the supply in the market was still short. UAE uh, really grasped all sorts of businesses from around the world, everywhere that it exists and the whole economy started just booming and when the economy is good, people travel, the doors were open. I think a lot of contributory factor. We obviously provide the air transport, we make sure it provides the best level of cost, Uh, we manage our uh, our business and, and, and the cost of our business, but ultimately you need people to move. And, and I think that what has happened in, in where our hubs are. Whether it's here, we've seen the same thing in our hub in Morocco, we've seen progressive business in uh, our hub in Egypt, and all the other. But here in particular, obviously, it's the largest operating out of the, the three airports that we operate. Uh, we've just seen movements, people coming in for big tourism and big business. And people from here, we are in this country, we travel. We want to see the world. We love to travel. And we would <laughs> love them to travel more. <laughs> and that has made the year very good. Um, I think there was a f- few, obviously, other things that has helped us out. Uh, one was our fuel hedging policy, that, that the fuel did go up in 2023. Correct. But we were in a position to benefit from the hedging that, hedging that we've done before. And, and that was a contributory factor as well.
3: Let's talk about inflation, um, something that's very much an issue, obviously, for our listeners. Um, what impact has inflation had on Air Arabia's operations and how much of that increase in price can you sort of pass on to your customers?
5: Um, I think in, uh, yeah, I mean, nobody wants inflation, but it's, uh, it's uh, something that you get it and you got to live with it. Uh, and it's a, gl- it's a global thing. The good thing is the world knows that it's not a, a country issue. And if you watch any media today, uh, wherever you are in the world, everybody talks about inflation. The bottom line on the TV is always saying inflation up and up and up. And with that in mind, the customer expectation that, well, life is going to be a little more expensive. Uh, and, and therefore, they're willing to pay. But of course, you are, in, you are in, a, in a business and you get to make sure that it's balanced. Our business is all about value for money and affordability. You don't want to drive yourself out of the market by, making, by sort of providing, by offering prices that people cannot afford. Right, okay. And we've got a <laughs> dynamic pricing system that we try as much as possible to take it in. Uh, the, the demand has not slowed down, partially because the supply is not in the market as much as it used to be okay. pre-COVID. Sort of post-summer, we're seeing globally and within the region, the market is neutralizing, the supply is probably picking up. Supply chain is, has improved, but still a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, so overall, uh, yes, the airfares or the traveling is, is a bit more expensive at the moment. Partially driven not by airlines, by the various governments around the world increasing the taxation. The heavy insurance that has been added to uh, air travel, and, and those is purely because we're living in a very unstable world. There are wars everywhere, and all those sort of things, which normally hike up the insurance. Um, you got to live it, and, and we want to carry people on the flight as low as possible in terms of what they pay, because our job is to simulate market. And to do that, you need to make sure people can afford it.
3: Um, Now, right after the pandemic, when the industry was just sort of getting back on its feet, um, there was this thing about a shortage when it came to pilots, airline staff. How have you guys dealt with that? Is there a shortage here for airline, airline staff?
5: I think there is a shortage on talents and manpower in every sector I talk to. Airlines particularly gets a little more difficult because you need... Technical people, whether it's pilots or engineers, and it takes a long time to train them. Yes. This is a supply chain; it, it is a true chain where you got to start at least four years before you allow them to touch an airplane. Wow, four years, huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, and and we have to recognize that every, the world has stopped for two years, uh, and therefore you got the catch-up to do. And the market came back much quicker than was expected. Everybody was expecting in the world that 2024 the market will come back, but 2022 everything was almost back. And because of that, yeah, the industry has suffered given that a lot of people who went at the age of 55, 60 didn't want to come back to work. And then the people, the younger generation was not ready yet uh, to get in we were lucky in a way that we've got our own uh, training college we've continued with that and that has developed enough pilots and engineers to support our business and and because of that we were able within three or four months of start of operation to have all our airplanes in the air out of all the hubs but i know a lot of airlines a lot of airport had a lot of challenges um, did we have one or two Difficult times? Yes, we did. But overall, it was probably we're in a better position. Yeah. And, and partly, you know, you put aircraft and you utilize them quicker. That obviously helps your bottom line. Talents is still, it's yeah. not behind us. Uh, um, the, the biggest ones are airports. A lot of airports around the world. You got even some are putting a cap of how, much, how many flights you can get into some airports around the world. Uh, Amsterdam is a classic where they targeting a 15% reduction on 2019 from an operation point of view because of the the manpower. Uh, And it's not just the manpower itself, but it also has gone about 20, 25% more expensive. And and I think we just good to see that as a reality of life and live with it and adjust our businesses accordingly. Finally,
3: Adel, just your outlook for the rest of the year. You've had a, you had a very strong 2023. Um, we have the busy time coming up in terms of winter. A lot of people will be traveling for the winter break. Um, what do you see for the rest of this year for Arabia?
5: I'm optimistic and, and positive that this year, obviously, it's going to be a, 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 good, a good year for everybody in, in the industry overall. Uh, we, we've done well. Uh, we hope that soon we'll be able to finish our numbering for Q3. And then Q4, the number seems to be relatively good. But on the other hand, the fuel, because of the uncertainty, the the geopolitical issues, the oil price seem to be unstable, very, very volatile. Um, You're not quite sure how the geopolitical will develop. So while there are opportunities are good, optimistic, positive. Lots happening here in terms of the COP Winter is a peak season for us where, that, you know, a lot of people visit the country. Uh, s- the summer holiday, the Christmas holiday, all those should uh, end up on a good note. And I'm also happy that for 24, we're seeing more stability coming into the market. The market is becoming more normal. The supply sufficiently is coming into the market. That will stabilize pricing so people hopefully will s- start paying a little less for traveling and that will stimulate new markets. So overall, I would say the outlook as we stand today, and we have to sort of qualify it like that because there's so much happening outside <laughs> there. It, it looks positive.
3: Fantastic. Adil, thank you so much for your time and many congratulations on 20 years of Air Arabia. No,
5: thank you. And I, look, I, I think what I want to end the tap with, and i say thank you, Dubai, because over the 20 years, a lot of time is with us, and they, they celebrate whatever we celebrate and it's it 's a our business model, if it was not for the media uh, people in this region back in two thousand and three and two thousand and four didn 't have an idea what lcc means and the help of people like your your your, your organization has helped people to understand much better uh, what is all this business model about and and, and not only that we've benefited we've grown but the entire aviation industry has grown in the country and in the region which is positive so you guys have helped us and thank you fantastic thank you thank you very much
2: And that is producer Mohammed speaking to Adil Ali.
0: Catch up on the business headlines with the bite-sized business breakfast. We want to focus on a new report out from KPMG. Uh, Their latest UAE tech report for 2023 has just been released under the title Tech Trailblazers Navigating the Next Digital Frontier. And it certainly seems that the UAE are becoming tech trailblazers here. One of the headlines jumping off the report is two-thirds of UAE tech leaders Contributing increased business profitability to AI let's talk to the team from KPMG now because their partner Digital and innovation at KPMG lower gulf is Mohammed Mashhad who's been kind enough to join us down here right. at air Arabia Thank you for having thanks me. for battling the traffic uh, coming over the way to show at Sharjah as well uh, Welcome to air Arabia. Thank you. Um, let's talk tech leaders if we can how much of a lead are uh, tech uh, companies here in the UAE, here in the region, taking when it comes to uh, the adoption of tech to maximise profitability?
6: No, definitely. So what we have seen is uh, UAE technology leaders answered with 89% that they believe that technology can drive their business growth. That is way above their global counterparts. And we believe that that is also happening because them staying resilient and agile during the whole period during the last years and now seeing more and more benefits and keep investing to drive business growth. I'm
0: looking at the report and obviously, I mean, we're using the word tech and tech is such a wide ranging topic here, but specific focus on AI as well. So companies here being quick to adopt the the, the, the benefits and the possibilities of AI?
6: Yes, uh, AI represents one of the uh, key focus. Mm. It's very interesting that in the UAE in particular, technology leaders are seeing UI, uh, AI as an opportunity to drive profitability. They see return of investment. And that's why they because they have moved from more generic use cases on AI to more business led use cases for AI.
0: Because a lot of companies and well the suggestion being that a lot of people are looking at AI and looking at the future possibilities. Mm-hmm. Your report suggests short term objectives are being used in order. Yes.
6: To, to, to the utilization I, of that. Indeed, if you see uh, dri- driven by the technology innovation that I've seen across the UAE, a lot of AI use cases are already rolled out, mm-hmm. are already in place. So now it's um, the incremental uh, view of new use cases that are more and more complex, but also bringing more and more benefits.
0: We're using the, U, the, the, frame, uh, the, or the, the phrase, I should say, tech leaders, tech trailblazers within the title yes. of the report as well. Is that something that companies have invested in as well? Is there more investment going into the ID departments?
6: So definitely. So there is more investment, but there is also more return of that same investment. At the same time, uh, UAE technology leaders being innovators, they are being disruptors across what we've seen globally. One of my favorite um, statistics is with regards to ESG where you have a much higher, it's around 87% of UE tech leaders answering that ESG, their organizations are prepared to address ESG requirements. That's way above what we've seen globally from their counterparts.
0: Prof- profitability obviously key to any business success, and we're seeing that uh, with the help of AI, that's coming across mm-hmm. in the report, but also enhancing employee satisfaction.
6: How does AI help employees? So. Uh, If you notice, most of the technology requirements, and that was the shift that we saw during the last years, technology leaders are much more focused on strategic thinking. And they're looking for the needs of their customers uh, and their internal clients, which are their employees. So customer experience, employee experience are paramount for them. And then with that, you would identify what are the main pain points Mm. that customers and employees have, and AI can help Uh, facilitate the same. The AI can streamline the pain points that usually you have and we've seen as users, as customers of multiple organizations in the UAE, I'm sure we all notice the advancement of technology Mm. and how much effortless is our activities, our interactions to any organization.
0: (laughs) Any conversation about AI or tech in general, uh, but certainly AI at the moment, comes with a little bit of a question mark, especially when it comes to employees. Now, am I going to hold on to my job? Am I going to be automated? Is AI going to take my job anytime soon as well? But again, looking at the, the percentage points, looking at the statistics coming out to report, there seems to be a real confidence yes. about tech and AI. And is that going to help us moving forward?
6: Yes, because what uh, tends to happen, and we've seen this, there were always those concerns, yeah. but what we've seen is with, AI in particular with other technologies that enable automation is not that you reduce your workforce. It's just that you refocus your workforce in other value driven activities. Mm. And AI itself also needs to be um, governed. And for that you require people and you require focus. And those are the sort of activities that we've seen. Uh, the impl- the workforce being refocused or reskilled into it.
0: It is the KPMG uh, tech report, UAE tech report. It is out now. Uh, do check it out. The tech trailblazers uh, navigating the next digital frontier. Uh, Mohammed, thank you so much thank indeed. You. Great appreciate. To see. It. Where nice are you flying to
6: see. this morning? Uh, to Dubai now again. Are you <laughs> flying <laughs> to
0: Dubai? Okay. <laughs> Just the highlights. This is the bite-sized business breakfast.
1: So we're down at Air Arabia headquarters to celebrate their 20th anniversary. We've got a pop-up studio in the the mock-up aircraft, the, the training pod in in Air Arabia headquarters. But I'm in the main thoroughfare, in the main lobby this morning, which is a hive of activity. If you're watching on TV, you can see behind me, the crew are coming and going uh, here, there and everywhere. So uh, my apologies to them uh, for stealing their space this morning. But we wanted to talk not just about Air Arabia, but about the Sharjah economy in general. And the real estate market is booming. We had data out this week that shows a 15% increase in the first nine months of this year in real estate transactions joining me now in air arabia hq is mohammed Qasim from better homes real estate broker based here in Sharjah. mohammed thanks for being with us thank
7: you so much for having me how are
1: you i'm really good thank you i'm delighted to be here in Sharjah. what's behind the real estate boom
7: so sharjah real estate has uh, boomed a lot uh, especially with the introduction of this uh, freehold uh, law that came out recently last year and we have seen a lot number of um, people who have inquired with us especially all around the globe, people from Britain, people from Jordan, Syria, all of them. And uh, we're looking more inquiries than ever, and uh, the business have actually been really, really good. So what what are Uh, people
1: buying in terms of residential real estate here? Paint a picture, is it apartments, a studio in a tower block? Is it a four bedroom villa with a swimming pool? What are people buying? Yeah,
7: so it's uh, basically all kinds of real estate. Before Sharjah used to have like single big towers and people used to rent it out. It was mostly rental based. But now, you know, with the introduction of this uh, freehold law, more developers have now showed interest uh, coming into the market. And uh, people are now buying villas, townhouses, um, But what are they mainly doing?
1: I mean, you work with Better Homes, you live in Sharjah, you're based in Sharjah, you work in Sharjah. If we look at the kind of deals that you've done over the past month or so, what is it? Is it three-bedroom townhouses? Is it five-bedroom mansions? Is it one-bedroom apartments? It's
7: it's, it's, uh, five-bedroom villas to uh, mostly apartments. So a lot of people, you know, who are based in Sharjah, they've been living in Sharjah for quite some time. They want to move from rentals to... Uh, buying their own home now and with attractive payment plans that we get here six years post handover payment plans with some developers so people are actually looking to finance and people are looking to move into their own houses so that's where People are buying mostly apartments, yeah. but some of the bigger families are also buying five-bedroom t- uh, villas and townhouses as well. So how yeah.
1: do the prices compare to Dubai? Because inevitably, we compare the Dubai market to Abu Dhabi, to Sharjah. Yeah. It's yeah. inevitable that we do. Yeah. What are the prices per square foot in Sharjah comparative to Dubai? I know it's a, it's an apples and oranges yeah. comparison, but yeah. give me some ballpark figures if you can. So it's, uh, it's still quite, um, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say
7: quite economically than uh, what you see in Dubai. Dubai, you have all kinds of real states right now. In Sharjah, we don't have luxury real estate at the moment. So prices are going somewhere around 800 to 1,000 uh, dirhams per square feet in all of the new uh, developments that we see. Plus, the main thing uh, here is service charges are very low. Uh, in Dubai, you see, um, you know, um, Maybe for a two-bedroom, twenty-three thousand dirhams in service charges. Here you are getting like around ten to twelve thousand dirhams. So eight to ten uh, dirhams per square feet is the service charge in the new area still, and uh, which is very very uh, economical for the people you know who are living here. But now uh, even Sharjah is be- breaking that barrier of. Um, uh, this, you know, economical uh, properties, and they are going towards the luxury real estate as well. We have seen uh, Arada, which is one of the biggest developers, launching their 20 million mansions in uh, Tilal city, which is one of the freehold, uh, you know, communities they have launched, and seven million uh, villas, f- five bedrooms, six bedrooms. But so that's yeah, high stuff. That's, yes. So one thing w- I would like to see more in Sharjah is that you know we have we have very few data r- as of the moment. And uh, I would like to see more data from, uh, you know, from publicly out to the investors, to the people who who can just uh, make more, you know, um, according to that, according to the data and everything that will grow more interest for the investors uh, overall.
1: 20 seconds. What's your pipeline like for the rest of this year and into 2024?
7: Yeah. So we are looking uh, more developers coming into the market. Uh, That's what I'm hoping and we have a lot of uh, homes that's going to be uh, delivered to the people they're still off plan and people have booked them but you know we are looking resale market to grow a lot. Um, Very few homes right now that we have in the resale market for the new homes. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking to, you know, uh, on the resale market, I'm looking at to grow by a far number that we have. Mohammed, great talk. Thank, you appreciate thank
1: your time this morning. Thanks for joining us at Air Arabia headquarters here in Sharjah to talk about the real estate market in this, in this emirate.
0: You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.